Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi there, this is Martina Navratilova, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. My name is David Law. I'm joined by Catherine Whitaker, who has just been commentating on the BNP Paribas Open final between Novak Djokovic and Milos Raonic for TalkSport 2, new channel that Catherine has been working for there. I've been following developments and listening to a little bit of Catherine, a little bit of Five Live Sports Extra, watching a bit of BT Sport coverage as well of the women's final between Victoria Azarenka and uh, Serena Williams. But Catherine Whitaker, we have a lot to talk about today. Normal service from Novak Djokovic in a pretty disappointing final in the end wasn't it between uh, himself and Milos Raonic much more exciting final between Azarenka uh, who really did I feel return to the big time in that win over Serena Williams 6-4-6-4 although Williams she wasn't quite at her best was she today Rafael Nadal provided a few further shoots of hope with his run to the semis but the final day Catherine really has been somewhat overshadowed largely overshadowed I'm afraid by some astonishing quotes from the Indian Wells tournament director Raymond Moore yes if I sound a little bit depressed it's well it's because I am a little bit depressed frankly um I expect you're going to read out a selection of what he says I what he said I suspect most people have have heard in summary what he said which was essentially that well not essentially he said direct quote women Female tennis players have been riding on the coattails of men for a number of years now and that they should get down on their knees every night and thank God for Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. Um, I was a bit... Yeah, just to give you give you the specifics of that quote in its entirety, it was, it was all held at a, basically a normally innocuous media breakfast that they hold on finals day in Indian Wells. I think they've been doing this for many, many years, but how they exactly got into it, I don't know. But Raymond Moore, the tournament director in Indian Wells, said the following, if I come back in another life, I want to come back as a player on the WTA tour. They ride on the coattails of the men. They don't make any decisions and they are lucky. They are very, very lucky. If I was a lady player, I would go down every night on my knees and thank God that Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal were born because they have carried this sport. They really have. Pretty strong, pretty strong stuff. And pretty, I mean, more than strong, mind-boggling is my was my first reaction to it. And the reaction of Serena Williams after she had uh, played in that final against Victoria Azarenka 
was to say, I don't think any women should be down on their knees thanking anybody like that. We as women have come a long way. We shouldn't have to drop to our knees at any point. Billie Jean King tweeted, I'm disappointed in Raymond Moore's comments. He's wrong on so many levels. Every player, especially the top players, contribute to our success. Raymond Moore then put out an apology uh, in which he said, at my morning breakfast with the media, I made comments about the WTA that were in extremely poor taste and erroneous. I am truly sorry for those remarks and apologise to all the players and WTA as a whole. We had a women's final today that reflects the strength of the players, especially Serena and Victoria and the entire WTA. Again, I'm truly sorry for my remarks. Novak Djokovic then had some words to say himself, which we'll get onto in a moment. But first of all, Catherine, it really was shocking, to be honest, to to, to read those quotes initially. I, I, I just could not believe what I was reading. Yeah, the comments were unequivocally misogynistic, sexist, wrong, just deeply wrong. Um, I mean, and, and showed a complete lack of understanding of, of the world, really, just the just the world of... of athletics of women's tennis in general i mean i i barely even know where to start with the with those comments because they're just so wrong you know they they display such a complete lack of logic i can't really even argue specifically against them because they're just based on on no i mean if if you want to get into specifics and details then you know there were times in the 80s when men's tennis was riding on the coattails of of men's but I don't even really want to get into that because just once you get into the dialogue of riding on the coattails this men versus women things I mean end of the day this is this is a man's world it's it's getting less and less so you know equality is becoming more and more of a thing but describing it in in describing the situation in that sort of language is just so deeply misguided and I punched the air as I was driving home and I I heard reports of Serena Williams just completely deft put down to it all with just no woman should ever be getting on her knees and thanking a man ever and I just that's just it isn't it I mean regardless of the specifics of how he tried to justify what he was saying that is the bottom line and Serena summed it up perfectly and just uh, one little example of what Serena did say, just to give a little uh, bit of uh, fuel back the other way, was not only was I very surprised, let's not forget the women's final sold out well before the men, said Serena at the US Open last year. Did Rafa on the Dow or Roger Federer play in that final? I don't think so. Uh, and, I mean, as you say, do we really want to get into that element of the dialogue? Perhaps I- not, but... There is an example of it. Just to chip in a bit, I also think it betrays, you know, aside from the the sexism element of it, I think it also betrays a deep smugness and complacency which has crept upon a lot in the men's game about this golden era that's uh, that we've been having. And it has unquestionably been the most incredible era for men's tennis. But it is not ever going to be thus. You know, Roger Federer is 34, Djokovic is 28 and... Rafael Nadal, well, where is Rafael Nadal? You know, it's they, they could have a problem in a few years' time. And I think the ATP are very aware of that. You know, they're really pushing this next generation. And I do think the next generation are exciting. But it's a really complacent, smug attitude to just say, well, look, we've got Roger and Rafa, so I'm all right, Jack. You know, it's not... Things change, you know. 
in the days of Martina Navratilova and Chris Ebert, those were halcyon days for women's tennis. And I didn't hear the same sort of rhetoric about um, how great it was for them compared to men. Um, so, yeah, I think just back in your box, really. Now, obviously, inevitably, Novak Djokovic, having played in the men's final, then came into the media room to be greeted with the news that this had become a talking point and these were the things that Ray Moore had said in that particular media breakfast. He was asked, Novak Djokovic was, about his thoughts, uh, what he thought, and I was particularly surprised, I have to say, that Novak Djokovic didn't just bat it away in a way to say, yeah, obviously what he said wasn't on and uh, uh, I don't know the full details, but not great to have heard it. He certainly did say that in in a manner of speaking, but he also ended up, Catherine, creating a debate of his own because he 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 more or less has said, in my view, that he doesn't agree with equal prize money in tennis. I'll, I'll read you exactly what he has said because he's been quite careful to make sure that everybody understands that he's not trying to upset anybody. But what he has said is this. Obviously, it's a very delicate and sensitive subject to talk about. Women deserve respect and admiration for what they are doing. You know, equal prize money was the main subject of the tennis world in the last seven, eight years. I've been through that process as well. So I understand how much power and energy WTA and all the advocates for equal prize money have invested in order to reach that situation. I applaud them for that. I honestly do. They fought for what they deserve and they got it. On the other hand, I think that our men's tennis world, the ATP world, should fight for more because the stats are showing that we have much more spectators on the men's matches. I think that's one of the reasons why maybe we should get awarded more. But again, we can't complain because we also have great prize money in men's tennis, and it is like that at this moment. Novak Djokovic was then asked if he believed that prize money should be equal. If it was up to him, would it be equal? He said, my answer to you is yes and no. It's that women should fight for what they think they deserve and we should fight for what we think we deserve. I think as long as it's like that and there is data and stats available and information upon who attracts more attention, spectators, who sells more tickets, stuff like that in relation to it, it has to be fairly distributed. He went on to answer a question about whether he thinks that men should get less if they are attracting less in terms of the economics of the game. He said, absolutely. So... That in itself, Catherine, is a pretty significant stance being taken by Novak Djokovic in as much as he believes, and I don't think he's alone on the men's circuit in believing this, that men's tennis generates more revenue, and as a result, men should take a greater slice of that revenue in prize money. Now, that ultimately would mean no equal prize money, which is something that uh, that has been happening since, I think, 2007 now. It's a pretty significant statement for Novak Djokovic to have made. It's really, really significant, and that's that's what really upsets me about it. Of course, you know, I know, I know there are people out there that have these views. I've, you know, I, I'm unfortunately a follower of Sergei Stokowski's Twitter account, and that's not easy reading sometimes. But to hear the world number one on the men's side... Um, express views like this I mean he's entitled to and have have them 
but I don't have to respect them. And uh, to hear it, you know, this will have an effect. The, one of the world's leading male athletes expressing opinions like this, it will have an effect, and in a way that, in a way that Sergei Stokowski's opinions don't. And that's what is really quite troubling for me. Look, I've heard all the economic arguments over and over again. I think in the end, they fall a little bit flat, but for a number of reasons, which I, which I will get onto in a moment. But just to get into, if we are going to get into the issue of equal prize money, which we often obliquely reference, David, in, in relation to other debates, and we always say we'll save it for another day because there are so many complex issues relating to it. Just to summarise where I stand on equal prize money, I believe in equality for equality's sake. Equality is the right thing in and of itself. I think the situation we have at the moment is very unsatisfactory and very uncomfortable for somebody that finds himself defending equal prize money, as you and I both do, David, often, because the debate-ending argument for equality is a equal pay for equal work. And at the moment, women women's tennis is unable to say that because women play best of three sets in Grand Slams and men play best of five. Now, I realise that there are various different practical reasons why you can't just say, OK, women play best of five sets then. But however it has to be achieved, whether it's best of three in the first week of Slams and best of five in the second week, however it has to be achieved for it to be equal for men and women, for me, that's priority one in tennis. I can see that you know, it might never happen in, well, I hope it happens, but I certainly can't see much movement for it happening. But for me, that is an absolute priority. And from that point, it shuts everybody up because you just can't argue with equal pay for equal work. I really think that's just a debate ending point. And there are so many other points that people will make, but I just don't think you can get past that. And if only we could make that adjustment to the sport, I think it would make this debate an awful lot more one-sided. But aside from all of that, aside from the slightly uncomfortable situation, well, more than slightly, the very uncomfortable situation we have at the moment, I still believe equality in and of itself is the right thing. And I don't think there's any arguing around that. And I'm I'm very, very disappointed and patronised, frankly, to hear these world words from the world number one. In terms of equality for equality's sake, you know me well enough to know that I agree completely with that viewpoint. Um, I, I don't really like to take the argument much beyond that. I can s see the point you're making about equal uh, equal work for that equal pay as a as a debate ending ending point. I can completely see the point there. I, I find that interesting as well. If I were to play devil's advocate from a position of a player on the men's circuit, do you feel that they have any point if they are making significantly more in terms of revenue for the sport, for the overall Grand Slam pot, for the sake of argument, that they are not taking more of that home? I can certainly see why they think they do, but then they've got no vested interest in inequality their vested interest is their own income etc etc they've got no vested interest in furthering the interests of women the world over and I, and I don't mean to sound grandiose by saying that because I've said many times first of all sport is a is you know it's such a high profile way of expressing you know equality for for women versus men because you you have the 
the very visible parallel. And also tennis is the flag bearer for, for equality in women's sport. I mean, it's still nowhere near there, as today has demonstrated, but it's closer to equality than, than many other sports. So, yeah, I'd, I, 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 I understand why certain people can try and justify that argument. But I think the world... It will, if you don't try and reverse engineer these things, if you don't try and put the cart before the horse, then things will continue in the same way. You know, we're coming from a system that was was put together in, in a day when it was completely acceptable to say that, you know, women were lesser physical specimens. You know, women only started running a marathon of the same length 20 or so years ago. You know, we're in a different era now. And I don't think these arguments fly anymore because with these the situation is a relic from days when it was okay to think like that and it's not anymore I think you know I don't know what the stats are and frankly Novak Djokovic is saying the stats back him up but he's not quoted any and maybe that's too much to expect you know we've just come off the match court but again but equally if you're going to express things like this and use statistics to back it up I think you should probably have those statistics to hand but I think I think you, you, they're not on an equal playing field, men's and women's tennis at the moment. Those are the facts. They're not on, an, uh, on a level playing field. So, Because of the best of five elements. Yeah, because of that and, and a few other things. But yes, I do, think, I do think that's a factor. I also think, you know, this is, a, this is a sexist world, you know. Bottom line, it's getting less and less so, but it is a sexist world. We're, we're in a world where, you know, women athletes are valued more for how they look than how they play and et cetera, et cetera. You know, there are other comments from Ray Moore <clears throat> that were particularly troubling on that perspective. He was trying to to reverse his uh, his dismissal of women's tennis that he had mentioned earlier in the interview. And he tried to do that by saying that women's tennis had a lot of attractive players coming through. And he was specifically asked, do you mean attractive competitively or attractive physically? And he said both. Now, I mean, I don't know where you go for how you can think that, you know, we're fighting an even fight here when that seems to be, a, a, you know, I hear that ex opinion expressed all the time. It's not a level playing field. And I think that if you, you know, have to positively discriminate or reverse engineer the situation, do it because equality is the right thing. Well, Catherine, plenty to talk about there, and I suspect that this one will rumble on, not least because I do feel as though the first dozen press conferences that tennis players do in Miami in the next few days are going to be addressing this particular issue and Novak Djokovic's comments. Um, I think other players of similar standing to himself will be, will be asked what they think. Um, so I think that this will rumble on some more so we will see how that evolves uh we'll address the situation if it becomes uh, a talking point further still and if there are further developments uh, in next week's show but Catherine, we have had some tennis as well haven't we uh over the last uh, 24 hours we've had, had some tennis over the last 10 days in indian wells it's been typically uh, wonderful as a location for a tournament and and it really was a, a good event Disappointing men's final today, but the women's final between Azarenka and Serena Williams was, I, I found it fascinating because to me it was Azarenka playing really efficiently, really solidly, 
and Williams playing pretty recklessly. I felt as though she tried to blow Azarenka away uh, throughout the final and wasn't hitting her marks well enough. And by the time she did, it was pretty much too late. She made a, a spurt at the end from 6-1 down to, to 6 to, to or 5-1 down to lose it 6-4. And it did look like Azarenka might be wobbling, but it was too little too late. Yeah, it was an absolutely fascinating women's final. I loved every minute of it. I, I sort of wish there there could have been a third set because it was really, really reaching a climax, climax towards the end. But the, the two sets were enough. They really were intriguing. And uh, I have to say, I, I, I feel silly now. I didn't give her enough credit. But having watched their match in Madrid last year when Victoria Azarenka tried to serve it out and served three double faults in a row from 40-15 up, I thought that was it for Azarenka when she failed to serve it out and when Serena was coming at her with those enormous shots just swinging from the hip, I thought that was game over and she really, really, because I'm sure that Madrid match was in her mind somewhere and other subsequent matches where she's come close against Serena and not quite had what it takes. You know, French Open last year, another example of that. She did really, really well today and uh, I was listening to the the Five Live commentary of it the, in tandem with the BNP Paribas Open Radio and uh, Gigi Salmon was reading out a few texts from people uh, who were listening saying they thought Serena uh, didn't look that into it or didn't look like she cared that much. I couldn't agree more. I mean, she received a point penalty for racket abuse. She She broke a racket still in the plastic, which for me is spectacular stuff on the racket abuse front I think she was just her game plan didn't work today as you said she tried to go for the the lights out big hitting tennis and when you're not quite there it's uh it, it malfunctioned somewhat and Victoria Azarenka really did play a fantastically canny match I think it's going to be interesting isn't it to see where this takes us for the rest of the year because I think over the past year and a half with Azarenka, we've been waiting for her. She's kind of incrementally made her way back, but hasn't made the big splash that perhaps we thought she might. I think when she won Brisbane at the start of the year, we thought. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello tennis podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. This is it. And she'll go on and, and meet Serena in the final of the Australian Open. Angelique Kerber just got in everybody's way, didn't she? I mean, she just messed up everybody's narrative uh, throughout that Australian Open. I mean, congrats to her for doing that. But certainly it, it didn't happen, did it, until until tonight, really. And, and this feels like a major moment in the year, certainly for Victoria Azarenka in terms of her evolution in her comeback. But... At the same time, I, I just thought watching Serena Williams, it was it was shocking to think that this is a woman who had a 69-17 record in finals until this year and has lost her two finals so far this year. I mean, it, and she, and she kind of didn't turn up in, in either one. Yeah, it is very interesting, isn't it? It's you just never know what you're going to get from Serena because she's she's played well this week. She's she's not played lights out tennis, I think, for any of her matches, but she's played really well, and it's the sort of really well that last year would have enabled her to cruise to titles. And I think for a lot of last year, I think one of the reasons, lover or hater, that people have been desperate for Victoria Azarenka to get back to her best is because everybody knows that she's probably the greatest challenge really to Serena Williams and even Serena Williams fans I think want her to have a near rival because it just makes it interesting and exciting and it will make Serena Williams better even at this stage of her career so I think that's why everybody's pleased to see her back to well look like pretty much her best this week um, and may- maybe that's all it was that made the difference that this time last year she didn't have Victoria Azarenka as the really credible threat that she seems to be now but uh, it's certainly going to make things interesting over the next few months I think it is now the men's final Catherine I have to say I thought would be a lot closer than it was 6-2 six love for Novak Djokovic over Milos Raonic who had been superb throughout the tournament and and it underlined the the point that really, between him and Murray, I would say, but really, Raonic is the second best player of the year so far. He'd won the title in Brisbane. He'd only been edged out by Murray in five sets in that semi-final at the Australian Open. Then he reaches the final in Indian Wells, and and he'd been quite fantastic. And I, I was I was disappointed that he wasn't able to bring that onto the court. Today, I think an element of that is just the record he has against Djokovic. I think it was 14 sets played and he'd only won one. He hadn't beaten Djokovic at all. He'd won one tiebreak set in all of those 14 sets. And I think he needs to come out with cold blood in his veins to play against Novak Djokovic. And he needs to be hitting those marks on the serve with a with a decent percentage and then I think I, I do feel at some point this year he is gonna push Djokovic very close or beat him because I think he's a learner. 
but today I, I thought maybe that might be the time and, and he really didn't show up. Yeah, I was really miffed by the final today. I was still, you know, obviously predicting a, a Djokovic victory. I, I think before the match I thought two really close sets, maybe a 7-6, 6-4, 7 something like that. And I was really miffed by how it played out. I was miffed at, by the fact that as soon as he went to break down, I sort of felt like that's kind of it. Um, it just never felt like a competitive match at any stage besides that first game where Raonic had all those juices and eventually got broken. And from that moment, for a man that shows very little emotion on the court and is very cool, calm and collected, I, f- I felt I could feel it oozing from his pores, you know, a, a feeling of defeat. Um, and that was very disappointing. Look, he did go off for that injury timeout near the start of the second, well, between sets, in fact. Um, he didn't make too much of that in his post-match press conference, but how much of an effect it had, I don't know. I'm going to have to judge the, the match as I saw it, you know, without taking that too much into account. And I was really disappointed in Milos Raonic. As I said, he he won, I think, two points on his second serve. And I just worry, I agree with you that he's a learner, but as much as he's a learner, he's also somebody that is very hard on himself, a very intense character. And I just worry about how much a defeat like that will mentally affect him because he's not going to let himself off the hook easily. And look, that could go either way. He could really learn from it or he could just allow it to really seep into his psyche and it could affect him even more when he steps onto the court next against Djokovic. I don't know. It'll be a real test of his his mettle. But I do know that I thought he was going to have more of a challenge today. I don't think he will uh, keep doing that. I don't think it will rattle him to the point of being unable to ever solve the conundrum of Djokovic not to say he's going to stop beating him regularly but I think he will you will see occasions over the next couple of years where Raonic plays his best tennis against Djokovic whether it's enough is another matter but the last couple of times they've played I think they played at the US Open last year as well and, and it was it was horrible it was just like this it was he, he just looks bereft and he doesn't look like that against anyone else uh, that he plays so there is a, an element of mental issues there, I think, and I think he also did did have a little twinge as well to the the muscular problem that he had uh, at the Australian Open. He he was very quick to say, "Look, that's not why I lost. I, I didn't play very well, and he played really well." But I I don't know. I I still look at Raonic and think this is a guy who's going to keep coming back for more, um, and I think eventually he'll he'll work it out so that he can play his best against Djokovic. We'll, I mean, we'll see. It, it, now, just just to pick you up quickly on that, well, not pick you up, sort of agreeing with you. I mean, it's not that much of a conundrum. He served below 50% first serves today. Just bringing that percentage and, and his second serve got completely punished, as I said. It's not rocket science what he has to do better. Yes, there are other factors as well, but just serve better and you've instantly got a better chance and, and he'll feel so much more confident about his whole game. I really think it all stemmed from that, today maybe that in turn stemmed from just a mental block about Novak Djokovic and stepping onto the court feeling a bit defeated I don't know but first and foremost get more first serves in get more first serves in Milos you've heard Catherine Whitaker. she gets first serves in all the time against me it works a treat for her don't worry about it now another man Catherine who has had a difficult time against Novak Djokovic of late is Rafael Nadal he'd lost loads of sets in a row against him but yesterday, things turned around a little bit. He got a tie-break set against Djokovic. He 
Went to break up early on. He was really belting the ball, particularly on the backhand side. Great stats shown by Sky about how his backhand is going through the air a couple of miles an hour faster than it did a year ago, and the trajectory is lower, and he's hitting it from closer to the baseline. But ultimately, it was still a straight sets defeat. But I, I feel relatively encouraging. Yes, Definitely, I would agree. It was a very different story. I, I was fearful going into that match because of how uncomfortable I'd found it watching him being completely dismantled by Djokovic in Doha earlier this year. I just wanted him to, to be able to challenge Djokovic, really, just to be able to to play up to the level of a 14-time Grand Slam champion. That's that's what I wanted to see from him. And I think just about did see that. Obviously, the second set was a little bit disappointing, but I had been slightly concerned watching his match against Alex Verov. I really, I really thought there were several moments where I just thought, Rafa, this isn't, this isn't you. But then he said after that match in press conference that the, this is precisely the sort of match he needs to win for his confidence that a win like that from match point down is so much more important to him at this stage in his career and where he's at than any 6-love, six 6-1 six demolishing of anyone. And so it proved, you know, it really, really paid off for him. And uh, I think that confidence shone through in that match against Djokovic. He didn't walk onto the court defeated in any way. He's still... Obviously, there's still a big gap between him and the world number one, but that goes for, well, if you go on the evidence of the Australian Open final, that goes for everybody just now. And I think there are, as cliched as it is, there are big positives for Rafa and especially... Uh, yeah, now, wait a minute, Catherine. You said to me a couple of weeks ago when I was saying I still believe that Rafa and that I will win another slam, you were saying... You're mad. I still, I'm still not predicting him to win another slam. I mean, at the moment, uh, the, you know, watching his results in Argentina and, and Brazil, he was miles off slam winning form, miles off. So I feel like this is a step in the right direction, but I, I still don't see him winning a slam anytime soon. I was going to say that this is it, just to be showing the right sort of signs with the clay court season just around the corner is really important for him, but. No, I'm not predicting him to win another slam. Nothing's changed, David. I'm still mad then, everybody. Uh, now, the uh, other matches of the week, any other significant ones that have taken your eye over the course of the last seven days? Uh, well, that Nadal-Zverev match, obviously we're going to touch on Zverev a bit more in a minute. We are, because we're going to have uh, his uh, fitness trainer, Jez Green, on the show to talk about uh, Alex Zverev. We are. I was very impressed with Songa this week. Um, he was imperious against Dominic Team again. I think I've, I keep saying it about Dominic Team, but again, I think schedule management. He just looked so exhausted. That was a huge match for him, a quarter final of an ATP Masters event, and he just looked exhausted. Um, but yeah, Songa was very impressive for me. The conditions do, I suppose, suit him down in Indian Wells, but still, that was a really close match against Djokovic. Admittedly. Not quite at his best, but still, you know, he had he had chances in that match and he was very impressive. Again, if he could just have gotten a few more first serves in at key moments, it could have gone a different way. So, uh, yeah, those are, more, those are my standouts. Well, it's been a pretty decent Indian Wells overall on the court. Uh, it's taken a pretty sour turn off it uh, right at the end, but uh, that has pretty much wrapped it up for another year. The tour will go on to Miami uh, next week, and uh, we'll see what uh, what they've got to throw at us. Roger Federer will return, Catherine Whitaker. 
I mean, you know, how long has it taken him to come back from knee surgery? About 20 I know, minutes? as I said in my commentary earlier on TalkSport 2, it turns out this is just one more thing and he, he can add to his list of things that he's good at, recovering from surgery. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I have to take advice next time I'm in for one. Uh, we also will look forward to seeing how uh, various other players do, like Andy Murray, for instance. I mean, he had a pretty rough time in Indian Wells. No great surprise there. He, he doesn't seem to like the conditions, but he loves the conditions in Miami. I, I love the fact that they are back-to-back. I know it's kind of lacks a degree of common sense to have such huge events back to back but because they're two weeks and both of the tournaments are sort of a week and a half each I think that little break in between them does end up actually working quite well and it's it makes for great viewing at the very least uh, now we mentioned Alex Zverev didn't we a man who really burst on the scene during this tournament and showed an element of graduation from the the junior ranks he, he beat Grigor Dimitrov he very nearly beat Rafael Nadal and he's guided physically by a man called Jez Green, who you may remember was the fitness trainer of Andy Murray for a number of years as well during his run to his first Grand Slam final and, and a title as well when Ivan Lendl was there. Jez has been working with Alex Ferov for a while now, and he spoke to me a couple of months ago. Well, I've now for a while, actually, since nearly two years, so since he was 16. I was asked to have a look at him with a view to helping him for a few weeks when he was 16 and actually at Junior Wimbledon and I was very impressed with his his uh, competitiveness, his ball strike, um, obviously his size and actually the way he moved. He and I thought no he's got he's got a little bit of something special maybe. Um, he's obviously pretty particular and special shape. 6 foot 6 at 16 years old is not easy to uh, to move. So, but he was exciting. He, he, he obviously was number one in the world junior, so it wasn't a, a left field pick. He was a very good player anyway. And I just thought, you know, with a bit of imagination, you put three or five years through that body and he, he could become something very good in his 20s. And, and you could see that at 16, that he, that he had something pretty good. Um, and he still does. Yeah, he's, a, he's young. He's, he's, you know, got the um, German, American, Russian triangle thing going on. But he, he's interesting. He's a, he's a really good kid from a very good family, um, all tennis. And he, he's, 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 he's interesting and very exciting for the future. You came to him younger than you came to Andy when you started working with him. Obviously, different frames, physiques, but what are what are the similarities or the, or the comparisons in terms of what you're dealing with as a physical specimen early on in their development? Yeah, different shapes. Obviously, Andy's like six two and and had naturally very quick legs and was and was quick naturally. Um, same kind of thing. It was two years earlier, but still, you concern yourself with with them not hurting themselves, especially someone at six foot six. So you you work a lot of stability and and core work and stabilizing the joints and making sure that, that their technique of movement is is precise for and correct for a tennis player. So on that level, the injury prevention and flexibility range of motion stuff is the same. Uh, but obviously, I could probably hit Andy a little harder at eighteen because he was a bit more body was a bit more set. Um, and then at 16, but now Sasha's 18. This year, I'm going to be able to hit him a little bit harder. So, same same kind of idea. That they're, they're actually not dissimilar people. Um, impatient, um, very competitive. They want to do incredibly well. Andy, Andy is a genius in many ways, and, and a role model and a champion in many ways. Uh, and Sasha has the makings, the early makings of that. So the minds are quite similar, even though the bodies are different. Um, but yeah, stabilization work, and, and now we can look at more strength, power kind of thing. Now he's turned 18, 
18 till about 20 and get his body ready for playing people like Andy every day, not you're just in a slam. <laughs> you're calling him Sasha, is that a nickname? Sasha, yeah. Uh, that's just the, the Russian short for Alexander. Uh, yeah, Sasha, that's what he goes by, Sasha or Sash. Uh, unless someone's annoyed with him, then it's probably Alexander again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can well imagine that. Um, how long do you think? I mean, we've seen a lot of players coming to their peak. It seems much older. We don't we don't get many teenage prodigies like Becker was, and you know, a, a, a man boy like him and Nadal was. That that's rare these days. How, how long do you think it takes a guy like Alex Zverev to 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 reach? full physical potential so it's actually a great question and i think it's changed in the last you know 20 years of being involved in tennis um i think from 16 it's if you're looking at five years um to get them ready to play men's tennis on a on a weekly basis where they can handle the pressures of it in the becker's day and even rafa was the last one but rafa turned up at 17 18 with the body of a man that's a little bit different but normal people, if they're really talented, still would be from 16 to 21. I, I told the Zverevs that, that don't expect anything major for three years. So we're, in, we're going into our third year now uh, and build a base that, that could deal with five sets of men's tennis. So Sasha being very talented from 16 to 19 will be the first base building. And I think I need two more years to get him up to the, the actual performance conditioning of someone like you know Andy Rafa, Roger Novak. So you're, you're looking at, from 16, if they're really good, I think you're looking at a five-year process, if they're really good. If you're not so good, you could be looking probably into your mid-20s, more like a seven-year process, seven, eight-year process to, to try and get the work done um, to match, match the top guys. And that's all credit to, you know, the, the, the Lendl's before that, the Agassiz after that, the Musters, and then, and then basically these four guys, you know, Andy, you know, Roger, Rafa, and Novak have changed the physicality of the sport again for another level. So the young guys coming through uh, have a real big bar to try and get over, which is all credit to the top guys and, and makes it fun. So, you know, it, but you do have to have patience uh, and someone very talented. <laughs> How do you think Alex will handle the occasion, the situation of taking on one of the best players in the world on a big Grand Slam stage? Again, very good question. Uh, he's played a couple of main draw slams before, so the, the idea of playing five sets is not unknown to him, um, even though he's very young. But I, I would hope he'd see it as a fantastic opportunity to see where he's at. And certainly the, the suggestions I've heard from people who watch the game and watch, have watched a little bit of Alex is that he does seem to thrive and enjoy and look forward to these kind of situations. Because that's what you find with the, 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 the players that are really going to make it, isn't it? That the, they, they blossom, they flower in these scenarios. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's really good. They look for them. Maybe, maybe they can't achieve the levels they, they want to at this moment, but they, they love the situation. They love the situation. And, and they, they want the situation. You know, win, lose or draw, they want to be in that situation. And I think, you know, Andy had that. I think, you know, I think Kyrgios has that. I think Zverev has that. I think Kachorich has that. I think the young guys, these ones we're talking about now, have that desire to be in the big moments, genuinely. They want to be there. They may not get the result they want, you know, until a few years from now, but they want to be up against these guys. They want to match themselves. They want to see where they are. And they'll, they'll fight. Uh, and that's all you can ask. They'll use everything they've got, you know, at, in this particular moment to see where they are. And I think all, all top players really want to see where they're at. And then, and then they know and then they can move forward. So, you know, as an opportunity, I think he'll definitely see it like that.
So, Jez Green, uh, always good value to talk to, Catherine. And uh, in Alex Zverev, I think he's got a bit of a diamond. Oh, he does. He really, really does. I have to say, you know, six months or so ago, I put Zverev in with that crop of of other youngsters who are now being termed hashtag next gen by the ATP. Um, and to be fair, they are really exciting uh, little group of players. But for me, he's just risen, perhaps not above them all, because you've got Kyrgios in there and you've got Borna Choric in there, who's already got his, you know, breakthrough wins against Murray and Nadal. But for me, he's he's stepping ahead from a lot of the others. He really is marking himself out. Um, and Nadal's called him a possible future world number one. And, and guys that have been to world number one don't say that sort of thing lightly. They know that just being a good 18-year-old basically means nothing. They wouldn't say something like that. Nadal wouldn't say something like that unless he really saw something in Alex Ferrer. So it doesn't really matter what I think. I think he's good, but Nadal thinks he's a possible future number one. So there you go. I can tell you that Richard Krychek, a, a Wimbledon champion of 1996, thinks the same. I remember being in a commentary box with him over Wimbledon last year and he just pointed to Zverev's name on the screen in front of us and just said to me, future world number one right there. So it'll be very interesting won't it, to see how he continues to make the next steps. I, I found it interesting the way Jez was talking about It'll take a, a couple of years here, even from where we are right now. This is not an overnight prodigy in terms of his his physicality, and he does look too tall almost for his for his body and a bit spindly. But he's going to fill out, and he's going to be exceptional. I, I I just like his his demeanor on court generally. I think he's going to be a big star for the sport. So we'll watch his development with interest. Hey, Catherine. Dan Evans won another tournament on the Challenger circuit. He's a, he's only two points behind his highest ever ranking. All right, we're going to have to call it the Brummy Tennis Podcast soon. No, we'll just have a segment. You know, just a little segment in That's there. That's not fair because there are uh, no Reading based top level tennis players. So talk about. You better hurry up and develop one then, hadn't you? Anyway, Catherine, we'll go and have a, a, a bit of a lie down for a few days, uh, watch some more tennis, and we'll be back with you very soon here on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 